Another week of action in the NBL, and NBL now coming to you to kick it all off. Of course, a big weekend for some of the teams in the playoff mix. The Illawarra Hawks had a great weekend. The Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, well, maybe not in the playoff mix at the moment, the way they're tracking, but a really positive weekend. And some big news yesterday out of the Adelaide 36ers. We'll dive into all that next. Joel Peterson and Damon Lowry with you. Great to have your company on NBL Now this Tuesday, the 30th of January. Unbelievable that the calendar is already ticking toward February. And the man who's been running all over the place 24 hours, our marathon mission man, is Damon Lowry. Hello, Damon. JP, good morning, man. I'm, I'm in one piece and I'm ready to toss some hoops. I love that. That's uh, that's all we can ask for, a sterling effort from you on, uh, on Friday and... Uh, all the all the best in your continued recovery, I would say. You uh, might take a little while to uh, to come down off that. Uh, let's get into it. Weekend winner, who have you got for me? Illawarra Hawks. The Illawarra We love you because you're from Wollongong. <laughs> now, seriously, they with the pilot. After blowing two games in a row at home, I thought, oh, my God, here we go. Here's the test for Justin Tatum and the crew to see what they're really about. And what a tough way to find out what you're about. You got to go to Perth. You got to go deal with them guys. And they handled them very well. They brought with them their, their Bryce Cotton medicine, which only the Hawks know how to administer. Then they came home and, and fought off, had to come from behind and beat a very tough New Zealand breaker team. So rewrite the ship. Back in the six, Illawarra Hawks, weekend winner. Yeah, it's uh, a great weekend for them. They needed it, and uh, and when the when the mix is so close for those playoff and final spots, um, if you can if you can be a weekend winner, that goes a long way. Absolutely, it's, you just have to win. And like it's a lot of teams that's doing a lot of losing. Like we got some teams that's in the six. With losing records, teams that still in the mix with the losing record, that's just how tight the league has been. I prefer to see teams above 500, but that's just the way it goes. Yep, so Melbourne and Perth have both clinched finals berths out of the weekend. Tassie and Sydney both with 12, 12 wins, so they're third and fourth. Tassie's got a game in hand over the Kings. Brisbane also 12 and 13, so Sydney 12 and 13, Brisbane 12 and 13, fourth and fifth. Illawarra 11 and 12, so half a game behind those two. They complete the, the six at the moment. And then you've got Cairns, who are 11 and 14, New Zealand 10 and 13, Adelaide 10 and 14, South East Melbourne 10 and 15. So there is uh, essentially two games in the win column between third and 10th, which is outrageous. NBL 24, man. <laughs> hashtag out of control. Hashtag outrageous. If you are the bottom team, which is now the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, who might just be one of the most popular teams now, given their performance over the weekend, you got to feel good about the league as a whole. We either got to add more games to really sort out teams, or we got to get some expansion teams coming in this league quick. Well, I think uh, I think the latter of those will happen in uh, in the not too distant future. So that the, the finals picture as it stands would be that Perth and Melbourne both go into playoff series directly. The seeding qualifier, so three v four, would be Tassie and, Sid- and Sydney. The winner of uh, the winner of that would go to play Perth. The loser of that would go into the playoff game, where they would play the winner of Brisbane and Illawarra. 
Then the winner of that play-in game, so between the loser of the 3v4 matchup and the winner of the 5v6 matchup, would play Melbourne United in the fir- first place playoff series. So, I mean, that's all just around the corner, which is uh, which is quite the prospect um, and, and so exciting because we still don't know what the mix is going to look like. I mean, we know those top two teams, and then from there, there's just this great deal of flux and teams are throwing up results all over the place. And in that top six, and by the way, you just blew my head off just then because I, it is so hard to comprehend all of the, the machinations and all of the possible scenarios. I can't wait for four teams to just get out of the way. Just get out of the way so we can just have this last six standing. But in that top six, JP, nobody's dominant. No, Melbourne United do not have a stranglehold on the league. Tasmania Jack Jumpers have proven that. The Sydney Kings... I can't wait to start talking about them dudes. And everybody, like I said, in that six can beat anybody. So it is completely wide open. Before we get into some of the teams individually, uh, some big news out of the Adelaide 36ers yesterday. So Pete Hooley had foreshadowed this on on Thursday night's broadcast. Um, and then, it had, you know, everyone's been talking about it. Basically, the likelihood that DJ Vasiljevic will sign with the Adelaide 36ers. He has done so for three years, so they put pen to paper. That deal is official. What do you make of that contract for Adelaide? I think it's a good deal for DJ. Three years, that's good stability. He can now go do some house hunting and party around Glen Elk somewhere. Um, so, yeah, he he's earned the contract. Like, I've been, I've, I've been vocal in saying I would prefer a head coach to be signed first, but I understand locking in DJ. I get that. Um DJ is now lobbying for Scott Nennis to be the head coach. Now, you know, if that happens or not, whoever the new head coach comes in, DJ better get right behind him. He got this three-year deal now. Um, him and Isaac Humphreys, I hope, hopefully he's next. They can form a, a nice tandem, a nice one-two punch for like the next six to seven, eight years. So I think it's an overall good signing. Would, would Humphreys be your next priority if you were the Sixers? He'd have been my first priority, but... Now that they got DJ sorted, he is absolutely the next priority. He's in career form, and he has brought back, along with Scott Nennis' direction, he's brought back the big man. I've been moaning and groaning for the last two years about how the league don't like big men no more. So now it's, it's been reestablished, and Isaac Humphreys is benefiting, the 36s are benefiting, and it's just great for basketball. Yeah, they've got some some questions ahead, obviously, with the likes of Trey Cowell and a, and a head coach, but they're starting to put the pieces together the Adelaide 36ers. Let's talk about the Sydney Kings. You mentioned there that you, you couldn't wait to get into them. Uh, a big win for them on Sunday against Melbourne United, but but you're still not convinced. How, Joe, how can I be? Seriously, how can I be convinced with them dudes? Now, look, I want to be very, very clear that this is not a personal attack on any individual. This is strictly business, strictly about basketball. Them dudes only play when they feel like playing. They have not won 100%. I've been tippy-toeing around this, Joe, for the last three weeks. They've been tippy, I've been tippy-toeing around the fact that they have not bought in to coach Mahmoud Abdul-Fatah. They have it. They just simply have it. Maybe a couple of guys have, but I know a couple of guys have it, and they can say whatever they want to say because there is no explanation for the inconsistency they've shown. Yes, that was a great win against Melbourne United. But I knew they was going to get up against those guys. They get up when they, like I said, when they feel like playing. But when stop these Melbourne Phoenix, I ain't going to never forget that. They would have to win the championship in a clean sweep 
for me to even come close to forget what they dished up in Melbourne just the other day. So I'm not giving them a pass. They don't, I, I'm, they have no trust at all. So if I'm moving forward, if I'm a move, I do for top, I'm just saying, look, guys, look, I know some of you don't like me. I get it. Yeah, if you ain't going to play for me, at least play for each other. At least play and don't disrespect the game. At least do that. So going forward on their day, if they're in a good mood and feel like it, yeah, they can make some noise. Yeah, they've, uh, they're still below 500, so they've still got some work to do, but they are in uh, in that fourth spot as it sits. There's been a little bit of conversation off the back of that game around uh, the Sean, couple of Sean Bruce plays and some reactions from from Matthew Delavadova and also from from Jolawala Chul to to some of uh, to some of those incidents. What have you what have you made of that? Did you have any issues with the the Bruce Delavadova incident in particular? The only issue I had with that was Delavadova's reaction. Jelly, do I need to go back to YouTube and watch all the plays that you had in the NBA when you were diving in people's legs and ankles and knees and doing all kind of borderline dirty stuff. This the same deli that can't handle a very hard horsham pick in horsham. We call those hugs. That's what that is. That was nothing, nothing to see here. And on top of that, JLA, he overreacted to a Sean Bruce. All Sean did was turn around. That's all he did was turn his back to JLA and JLA act like the world was coming to an end. So I had no issue with Sean Bruce. I had no issue with those picks, back, um, box outs, nothing. Uh, it was a couple of country kids from Mirabar and Horsham just going at it. You wouldn't have been out of place in uh, the Australia Day tournament up in Bendigo across the course of the weekend, it, uh, I wouldn't have thought. Um, John Rilly's reaction to Bryce Cotton and, and wanting some more protection from, from him. What what did you make of of John Rilly's uh, comments in the aftermath of uh, their win over Southeast Melbourne on Saturday? Oh my gosh! Now see, <laughs> I've been a humongous fan of everything John Rilly is. Ninety five percent of what John Rilly has been doing this season, I have been on board with. But this one, no, no, no. Now I once got myself into a little bit of trouble by calling another former Perth Wildcat legend of protected species. Um, the, the legendary Ricky Grace. So Bryce Cotton, if he was any more protected, he'd be on a he'd be on some money. He'd be on coins. If, a, if there was a three-sided coin, Bryce Cotton would be on it. This dude is averaging at least eight free throws a game. Ask New Zealand how they feel about whether he's getting calls. He shot 17 free throws against them. So if Bryce gets his fair share of calls and he's on the floor for 40 minutes. And he's always on the floor when they're in the bonus. So for John really to come out and say he's not getting enough calls, I think that's a long bow to draw. And whatever happened to that old saying, Joe, let's control the controllables. We only can control the controllables. Well, guess what? Can't none of you control the rest. But yet here you are on your soapbox in the press conference trying to control something that's uncontrollable. Uh, it's not just NBL coaches. It's uh, it's it's a it's. I think it's a cultural issue in basketball more broadly, and it might be a conversation for another day. But it starts right at the very top levels in the NBA, and the problem is it filters down to every other level. So you know, you go to junior basketball and you see the way that that uh, that that parents and coaches interact with refer- with referees, and you know this is part of the reason why. So I don't think they're going to change their mind just because you've come out and said something, John. Really, I would uh, be thinking 
have a look at how many, yeah, fouls Bryce Cotton has shot this season. And uh, let's move on to another topic. We will do that and we'll get to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix because that's who Perth played on Saturday night. And they played Bryce Cotton physical. They played the Wildcats physical. They hung around. They couldn't quite get the job done. But when you looked at the weekend on paper for Southeast Melbourne, getting Sydney and Perth coming into town, you thought, oh boy, this could be very, very dangerous in terms of what it, they might be able to do to the Phoenix. And they held pretty tough. I'm glad you said that, Joe. I'm glad you said about how they played them physical. Basketball is a physical game. This ain't netball. You are supposed to get hit, touched, grabbed, leaned on, pushed. Now it's up to the refs to interpret how much physicality is needed. We've all, especially Americans, we've all grown up on the playground. And you know you weren't calling fouls on a lot of this stuff that you want fouls for now. We have gotten soft. So the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and Mike Kelly, who, again, he grew up in the era where everybody, I believe it was Mike Kelly that even said they can't foul us all out when he was on those Southeast Melbourne Magic teams that was running roughshod. So the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have adopted some of that philosophy, and it was great to see. And what, what was even greater to see was how they competed with their talent discrepancy against the Kings. What they did was great for basketball. Because you got you can have a star-studded team full of talent with no heart and don't play consistency like they give a damn. And then you can have some dudes that just happen to be playing. Luke Rosendale, Austin Rapp, Cody Statman, uh, Ben Air, dudes like that to go, hey man, I'm just gonna put on more hard hat. I'm just gonna get it in. Owen Foxwell, I don't care that you guys making 10 times more money than me. And I ain't going to never be maybe the player that you are. But guess what? When we cross over this line, you better lace them up because I'm coming after you. And those dudes represented basketball in the right way. Couldn't be more happy for the Phoenix and Mitch Creek's leadership in that group, which now solidified, in my opinion, Mitch Creek in the first team on NBL. Okay, there you go. That, uh, that again might be a conversation we pick up. Another day. Um, one thing that that I know you wanted to talk about off the off the end of the show was our next stars. Uh, I was in the building for Alex Starr on Saturday night, and he put on a career night. It was a virtuoso performance. It really was something to watch. And you were very impressed with uh, the Lithuanian lefty Mantas Rubstavichis. Yeah, massive shout out to um, Alexandra Starr. Good grief! Like, I mean, well, look, top one, top two picks in the draft. So we can all say we we've seen him, but Mantis. Rooster, vicious, good grief. Ever since Marty Mayor put him in the starting lineup, they have been a different team. Yes, I know they came up short against the Hawks, but you just watch the way he played, the poise he plays with. It is something about these Europeans who just don't get caught up in all the garbage, all the fluff. Great shooter, great defender, can do a bunch of stuff. And even, he can even hold his own jaw in a press conference. Everybody can squeak a little bit of English. But you can't speak a little bit of Lithuanian. Not even a little bit. And uh, he's, an, he's an impressive young kid. Uh, both of them are, and both of them are destined for, uh, for for very, very big things, which is which is great to see. Damon, pleasure doing business with you, and uh, look forward to talking to you on the weekend. We shall do it again. All right, man. Plenty more NBL now coming your way this week. And, of course, all the news you need on the NBL app.